Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, uh, hello everyone. We're back in Zechariah chapter 10. We're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 today. And these scriptures today kind of remind us how important it is when we pray. Who are we praying to and how much are we depending on Him who we pray to? We'll might be rhetorical, but let's get into it and really see how it applies to us. Well, we left off in in chapter 9, verse 17. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine for the young women. In other words, he's again talking about establishing Jesus Christ's new kingdom. And again, the frame of reference is the frame of reference for this culture. Like my study Bible points out that at this time, Israel was an agricultural society. They depended on the grains. They depended on the, the, the grapes and the fruit to produce, um, you know, the wine to drink. You know, that was the basis of their, their economy. And so everything depended on that. So God is answering them very specifically in ways that they could understand the abundance that would be theirs. And uh, so chapter 10, verse 1 is almost like a continuation of chapter 9, verses 17, because we just get um, the... The picture of this abundance, and then chapter 10, verse 1, sort of um, continues this by saying, verse 1, Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rains from the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. So in other words, the the grain and the grapes producing the new wine, where's all that going to come from again? 
It's God's kingdom. And how do you fit into God's kingdom? You are asking God for what you need. You're praying to God for what you need. And the point here is that God is the only one sovereign. God is the only one in control. He's the only one that blesses you. When rain comes down, that's from God. When the crops grow and produce their, their, uh, the fruit of their uh, vegetation, that's God that does that. And whatever the crops produce and yield, that's God's blessing. So when we ask, who are we really asking? Who are we praying to? Well, you could say, well, I don't even believe in God. And God says, well, you know what? I'm the sovereign one. And when I reestablish my kingdom, it will be those who acknowledge me, number one. And number two, those who claim to know God, are you really asking God? And you say to yourself, well, we, we, we pray to God. Are you really praying to God for what you need? Or are you just sort of going through the, the ritual like the people were originally asking? You know, they were originally asking, do we need to continue to weep and fast? You know, these rituals. God's saying, what did you learn when you were in captivity? You know? When you were in captivity, were you really weeping and fasting for me? Were you just going through the motions to make yourself feel better? And likewise for us today, when we're praying, are we really praying to Him with a heart that is 100% focused on Him? Acknowledging the blessings that we do have? Acknowledging his sovereignty over what we don't have. Just because something doesn't come true when you ask for it, doesn't mean God's against you, or God's not there, or God's not listening, or God's not sovereign, or God hadn't given you the answer. Oh God, please give me a new car. Well, does that sound like your heart's centered on him? Because... If it is centered on him, getting you a new car is not necessarily what he needs to advance his kingdom. Oh, God, I want a new job. And if it will advance your kingdom, please let me have a new job. You say, well, is that really where your heart needs to be? If something happens and you're blessed with a new job, is that really His will for you? Everything that happens to you that you like must be God's will, and everything that happens to you that you don't like must not be God's will. When your heart gets like that, 
letting your faith be your feelings, you're really not focusing on God's will. You're really focusing on what you want or what you don't get. He's saying, ask for what you need and depend on God to provide it. A lot of people might be asking God, but they might have been praying to Baal or some of the other gods also just to cover all their possibilities. When we're praying, say, for relief of cancer or physical illness, there's that, but how much of our prayers are focused on the medicines and the doctors and the hospitals? Oh, because there, you know, I can pray to God about it, but I really got to depend on these daughters. God's saying, depend on me. I'll take care of the rest, but depend on me. I'll give you everything you need. I'll make the, the grain flourish and the crops yield the wine that you need. I'll give you the grain that you need and I'll give you the abundance, even the abundance of wine. That's my kingdom. I give you the rain that you need to make things grow. But pray to me. And when you pray, pray with a sense of dependency. As if the rain itself would make or break the season for you. My presence is what you need more than anything. Pray for the stuff you really need. I know your heart. And be careful about these false gods that you might pray to or depend on or have that sense of completeness because of other things in your life other than me. Verse 2, for the household gods utter nonsense and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolidation. Look at how many things compete for who God is and God's presence in our lives. Is it power, prestige, popularity? Is it your education? Is it your sense of health? Is it the internet? Is it your bank account? Is it your car? Is it your job? Is it the clothes you wear? So many things compete for our pride and our vanity and our sense of joy or a sense of peace. How quickly our sense of peace can come unglued when our health becomes unglued. Or some chronic situation sets up shop. Or our popularity wanes or our feedback from our job drops. Or somebody's opinion of us drops. And we look to things that give empty consolidation. 
The feedback from our job or the feedback from others is empty consolidation. To let your self-worth be dependent on the judgment of others, God's saying the only judge you got to worry about is me. I'm the judge. And judgment comes from me and with me. Otherwise, you've got false judges. And you let empty consolidation guide you. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way. I've seen that word used. The way is, is the way you walk. It's like a path. And how important it is when you um, teach them the way that they should go. Back in Deuteronomy, teach your children the way. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it talks about diligently teaching your children and shall talk of these things when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Walking by the way. The way is sort of a pathway. It's sort of like the early roads. To know the way to go. They called it the way. Walking by the way. Christ says, you can wander, which is what Israel had been doing, is wandering in the wilderness and then wandering in exile. And Christ says, I'm the way. And he's speaking back to what you're supposed to teach the children. I'm the way. And is he, he's sort of comparing himself to the road that gets you where you want to go. You got to stay on the way. You got to stay on the road. If you start wandering, you're going to get lost. And you wander like sheep without a shepherd. Christ compares himself to the right road to be on, the way, and he compares himself to the shepherd, to being a shepherd. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. In other words, they're preyed on. Now, the sheep can be preyed on by wolves or things like that looking for a meal, but we can be preyed on also by our pride, our heart's desires, and sin. When our hearts aren't centered on Christ. The Lord knows how we need to stay on the right path. On the path that gets us to where we need to be. Else we wander on the wrong path. And we never end up where we need to be. We're just afflicted. Verse 3. Look at how the Lord loves the people. My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders. For the Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his majestic majestic steed in battle. 
The Lord really cares for all of us. And He knows if we wander off the right way, we're going to be preyed upon. And the things that cause us to wander are false shepherds. People that say, oh yeah, this is the way to live. Well, this is the way I live my life. You live your life your way. I'm living my life this way. People try to influence other people. And most people who are doing things wrong, they don't like to do it by themselves. They like other people doing it with them. Because then they don't feel guilty. Sinners love other sinners to be with them. God is hot against people who lead other people off the right way. And people who are... It doesn't take a lot to be a shepherd to somebody on the wrong path. To influence people. You don't have to be a formal leader. But the... But the informal leaders as well as the formal leaders who lead people astray, God is hot. You lead them off the way by their physical actions or what they pray, how they depend on things. We've got so many people in this generation that don't even believe in God anymore. And many of the people that do claim to believe in God, it's always conditional faith. Faith that depends on the prosperity. Faith that depends on what the church looks like or what or how cool the, 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 the leadership appears to be. And do we have good music and a good church band? Or do we have um, popular people in the church? Is the message popular? So many people, so many things can lead the sheep away from the shepherd, the true shepherd. When you pray, are you really praying with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might? Like it says back in Deuteronomy. What a powerful message in those little three scriptures. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, good message today. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Zechariah chapter 10, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 3. So this chapter, Dr. J.V. McGee has labeled Judah and Israel are to be scattered again, but they will be finally regathered. So, verse 1, uh, many depositors actually say it belongs with chapter 9, and Dr. J.B. McGee agreed with it. So, the glorious picture of the millennium that's coming upon the earth, that's what it talks about. So, verse 1 of chapter 10 of Zechariah reads, Ask the Lord for the rain. In the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make flashing clouds. And he will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. So, here, when Zechariah says rain, here, he means rain. 
So rain here means rain, literally rain. Um, and he is speaking of literal rain because God had promised Israel who were an earthly people. He had promised them earthly blessings. So he promised them that which he's never promised the church. So he's promised us spiritual blessings. So he promised the nation uh, physical blessings. And um, we are told we are blessed with spiritual blessings and they were to be blessed with temporal things. That's the people of Israel. And these are physical blessings. And naturally, they would come through the rainfall. Uh, that would actually come to that land that would bring forth crops and, you know, a good yield and um, their animals and their pastures uh, would be so lush and, and, and it would keep growing and their animals would have food. So that land in that day was, you know, like the Garden of Eden. But today it's the opposite. The opposite sounds true. It's dry and it's arid and it's almost barren. So today the opposite um it's the opposite of the garden of eden it's the opposite of what was because judgment has come um upon that land so the judgment was not only on the people it was also on the land as well and it hasn't been uh lifted the judgment hasn't been lifted because those people have not returned to god so god says he actually intends to send a latter rain when he lifts the judgment upon that land so when he says latter rain, he means latter rains. He literally means latter rain. And God has mentioned this several times. And the thing that denotes judgment is, you know, the holding back of the rain. And that's what happened in that land. Um, judgment was, um, was on that land as well as the people. So the next problem that those people are facing to the Arabs in Israel is a water problem. When you travel to Israel, you can actually see it. So they don't have enough water. They have water, but they don't have enough water. And, you know, the best solution to the problem that they have, apart, aside from the uh, Arabs, is to actually turn to God and experience physical blessings that God promised them that would come through rain but they haven't turned to god and the rain hasn't returned so it hasn't returned as it should so they have some rainfall but they need more rain for irrigation near the land that needs to be irrigated so the latter rain or as it's called the spring rain comes in the months of march and april and it's actually returned, you know, as report shows, it's returned to a very limited degree. It's not near uh, the kind of rain that would be indicated here. So God says he actually intends to send them rain in the time of the latter rain. And there will be plenty of grass for the animals to feed and graze on. And... Um, plenty of rain for the trees and the crops um, they plant and for the fruit and um, you know and the, this interpretation um, the interpretation of this refers to that which is physical so this could also be um, typical of you know spiritual refreshments as well so it's used in uh, if we turn to the book of Joel it's used in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 Mm, and it reads 
and it shall come to pass afterwards that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions so you know here it has that connotation if we look at it it also has that connotation of uh spirituality to it that which um you know uh, it has the, sorry um it here it has the connotation that that which physical rain does for the land the spiritual rain or the pouring out of the spirit of god upon these people and the prophecy in joel and this prophecy here um are a reference to the millennium the period which is coming and there will be a pouring out of the spirit of god uh, in the day in that day that's the day of the lord so we have here you know a twofold meaning you know if it has a relation the relation of joel's prophecy and this particular prophecy here in zechariah so now we move on to verse 2 of zechariah 10 and it reads the idols speak delusions sorry the idols speak delusion the diviner envision lies and tell false dreams they comfort in vain therefore the people when their way like sheep they are in trouble because there is no shepherd so we have um now turning back again that there must be judgment of that which is wrong in both the northern and the southern kingdoms and god intends to straighten them um sorry he intends to strengthen them for the last days and he intends to bring them into the millennium but they are certain things that are radically wrong in their midst and this is called to our attention in verse 2 so verse 2 goes on to read for the idols let me just read it again for the idols speak delusion the diviners envision lies and tell false dreams they comfort in vain the people therefore the people when their way like sheep they are in trouble because there is no shepherd verse 3 my anger is kindled against the shepherds and i will punish the goat herders for the lord of hosts will visit his flock the house of judah and will make them as his royal horse in the battle so now here we have the thing that was really causing trouble in the nation that's both in the northern and southern kingdom so here we have um the word idol here it says the idols speak the de delusion so idols here the word for idols here is teraphim teraphim so um it goes on to read um they have they comfort in vain so um here it says the diviners in vision lies and they tell false dreams they comfort in vain so they have no comfort at all they don't give comfort they give the illusion of comfort um it seems to be like so but they don't um have any comfort so these idol worshiping and divinations they this was one of israel's great sins and their dependence on idols and diviners and god god's word had a lot to actually say against uh, these things so these idols or teraphines were small little household um 
oracular divinities and in scripture they are actually spoken of um, if you look at uh, the book of Ezekiel 21 verse 21 it reads um, for the king of Babylon that was uh, Nebuchadnezzar stands at the parting of the road at the fork of the two roads to use divinations to shake the arrows he consults the images he looks at the liver okay so this in scripture um so they're um they're using um all these like little small divination these idols and they're looking at the liver to actually um tell them how things are going to shape up and you know in the word of god in scripture when jacob took uh, his two wives, that's Leah and Rachel, and left his uncle Laban's house as he had trouble with his uncle. Rachel took the teraphim. And we have this in Genesis 31, verse 34, which reads, um, Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them, and Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. Okay. So, you know, there has been research, archaeology in Nineveh, and they found some tablets. And, you know, this modern-day archaeology shows information, you know, depending on the tablets they found, according to um, the tablets found that the possession of these household Teraphims, these household god, gods implied leadership of the family. So in other words, when Rachel stole those gods, she actually sat on them and she said that she was with child, she was pregnant, and she couldn't get up. So that meant Jacob was going to actually inherit everything that Laban had. And, you know, Laban already felt Jacob had already taken too much when he was leaving and there's no way he could actually inherit his whole estate so Rachel stealing them was a very serious matter and that's why Laban was very worked up and he actually didn't want Jacob to get his in his estate so the teraphines themes sorry were used by the diviners and they you know envisioned lies as scripture says so they used a very pagan occult heathen imitation of biblical prophecy so they try to imitate and you know the devil has always imitated that which is uh, biblical you know they've always kept the bible close even today's occults and and um, all these diviners they've always um uh kept you know some biblical uh, teachings close so the word divination means to cut or divide and it had to do with taking uh, a sacrifice and cutting it open and looking at its liver and uh, you know the form of the liver and how it was shaped and this was called uh, hepatoscopy and then they actually attempted to interpret the future as and you know as they had looked at the liver the shape of it would tell them the shape of things to come because the liver was considered as the seat of life itself so these diviners as Zechariah puts it envisioned lies and they were not getting their information from God but it was demonic inspiration and not um, inspiration from the Spirit of God. And God had put up a law 
about this that they should have nothing you know his people should have nothing to do with this sort of thing with divination as it was satanic so the only thing that god is going to honor is his word and nothing else so we need to actually keep our eyes upon the lord jesus christ if we are to say if we are to stay safe and we are to be protected uh, from the wiles of uh, the devil so we ought to stay very close to jesus christ uh, if we are going to be very far from the devil so we're living in a big bad world right now so the idols speak divination divin sorry let me just read that again the idols speak delusion the diviners envision lies and tell false dreams they comfort in vain therefore the people went their way like sheep they are in trouble because there is no shepherd so um you know there is no shepherd to actually lead uh the people today and today the great need in any church in all churches for a church to actually stand and stay strong and keep going as um you know they church churches need shepherds and these shepherds um ought to feed the flock with the word of god um so it's very very important and it's very vital for you and me for us to actually pray for our shepherds those who are leading us in churches for our preachers you know pray for them um for um it's a daunting task that they actually face in order to lead the flock and you know so that the flock should not go astray so that we shouldn't go astray so that we should keep our eyes on the lord jesus christ okay so this is our teaching for today thank you all for listening in it's been a great fantastic lesson i hope you all enjoyed it thank you all god bless you and bye bye